Uh, dear Lord, I just want to thank you for um, for Emma uh, and what she brings to this community. Uh, thank you for her life, um, which started 27 years ago today. Um, yeah, just pray that uh, you you fill her with um, just words to encourage us tonight, to, to teach us, um, and that we're able to be, yeah, just pushed in, in a direction um, that you want us to be going, Lord. Pray this in your great name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lachlan, for the birthday love. Um, so I just wanted to start by sharing uh, with you today a story uh, and this moment I had in my walk with Jesus about 20 years ago, uh, which essentially changed the, the course and the direction of, of my life. So I was here at Feast and we had a guest speaker come and share from New Zealand and his name was Mick Duncan. I think that's how you pronounce it. And um, uh, if you were here, you would have remembered that he brought quite a strong and a, a challenging message that night. And uh, for me, uh, at that particular point in time, I was at a, a point in my faith where I was really, really wrestling uh, with Jesus. And at that moment, I felt... Um, that he wanted me to actually end a relationship that I was in at the time. And uh, it was a relationship that wasn't um, necessarily drawing me closer uh, to Jesus. And it was affecting uh, my witness and my leadership and a whole number of areas in my life. And and I remember just struggling to just simply trust Jesus in that moment. And I was sitting there in the service and just felt like I was in a little bit of a faith crisis. And you know that it can be quite a hor- like quite a challenging feeling when you're sitting in church and you're just wrestling and struggling uh, with Jesus in that moment. And so in one sense, I was sitting there knowing this incredible salvation that I had received in God. And three years before that, when I was 17 years old, I had had an amazing experience where um, the Holy Spirit just kind of uh, ministered to me and, and just spoke to me about the, re- the salvation that I had received in God in a way which took it from my head into my heart. So I had that experience in my life. Uh, but at the same point, um, I wasn't willing to let God into this particular area of my life that I was battling with. And uh, this guy was talking about this idea of being um, lukewarm and, and not allowing God into every part of our life and submitting that to him. And so I just remember Jesus really ministered to me uh, that night and just I had this sense that he was telling me that there was more for me to discover with him uh, when it came to relationship and there was more that he wanted to show me. And I actually, uh, I remember getting prayer that night and made a decision uh, that week to end that relationship. And as the story goes, which you all know, uh, the Lord brought Andrew into my life about five or six months later. Uh, and since then, it's just been an incredible journey of seeing uh, where God has led us as I, I trusted him that night uh, with that decision. But, you know, I share this experience because often we have these moments in our walk with Jesus where we are just forced to reflect on how are we living in response to the grace in which we have received in God? And when we do that, when, when God um, is causing us to reflect on that question, it's not to lead us into guilt 
or to lead us into shame. Uh, it's not to suddenly get all religious and be like, I just need to do more for God. But it's to, um, it's because God just wants to lead us into more with Him. He wants to show us more of our identity, uh, with Him. And we have received, received a grace that saves, but we've also received a grace that transforms us, that sustains us, that grows us as well. And 1 Peter actually uses the language of growing up in our salvation, that we are in Christ, we grow up in the salvation in which we have received. Uh, And it's this grace that I think is daily transforming us into this new uh, identity that we have in Christ. And so the text that we're looking at tonight actually positions us to ask that question. And I don't think that's a, a new question for us to be asking at feast. I think if we look at how the Holy Spirit's been ministering to us the last couple of months, he's been wanting us to ask you know, how is this grace not only transforming us inwardly, but how is that being expressed outwardly in our life? And I think he's just slowly uh, taking us further and further into the truth of this, you know, salvation that we have received in God, which is incredible. So I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 1 to 2, if you want to turn there with me now and I'm going to get a drink of water because I did karaoke last night my voice is sore (laughs) okay so as God's co-workers we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain for he says in the time of my favor I heard you and in the day of salvation I helped you I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Uh, So Paul, we know, is the writer of this letter to the church of Corinth. Um, And Pete, if you were with us on Easter Sunday, he reminded us um, that Paul was someone who encountered the resurrected Jesus, um, that Paul was God's chosen instrument to proclaim uh, this gospel message to the Gentiles. And... um, And so basically what Paul has been doing in chapter 5 is he's reminding the church of what it is they have received in God, this salvation that they have received. And the gospel um, that he's explaining is uh, this uh, God's ministry of reconciliation. And we know that to be that God's ministry of reconciliation is Jesus' death and through his resurrection, God's relationship with creation is actually able to be restored. And that's what we were celebrating Uh, at Easter. But not only this, with this ministry of reconciliation, but God is actually making his appeal for reconciliation through us. And we are called Christ's ambassadors, and that's what Monty uh, spoke about last week, and that we are held by the love of God. And from that place, we are propelled into being uh, Christ's ambassadors. And we know that Paul was someone who was this powerful picture of someone um, who God was making his appeal through. And so, essentially, um, Paul is reminding them of this grace that they have received. And then we get to this incredible challenge uh, in chapter 6. And he says these words, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you and in the day of salvation, I helped you. And so this passage causes us then 
to ask a really key question in our faith, one that I think we've been asking together, does God's grace have a meaningful impact on our life? Does God's grace have a meaningful impact on our life? And that might sound like a simple question, but Paul is saying here that there is a danger that we can receive God's grace in vain. And to receive something in vain, it means to receive something without effect or to receive something without fruit, um, without that transformation. And so as I said, yes, we have received this grace that saves, but it's a grace that should be daily transforming us more and more in who we are uh, to be in Christ. And it's also worth asking the question, well, you know, what was this day of salvation? What was this day of salvation? And Paul in this passage, he's actually referring to a prophecy that was given by Isaiah um, some years before. So in Isaiah 49 verse 8, it says, In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of my salvation, I will help you. So that moment that had been prophesied all those years ago, that moment had actually come. And the world was being offered salvation and the big question was, well, how were they going to respond? How were they going to respond? And we know this day of salvation is God's grace and his favor restoring the world, renewing and restoring the world. And so we are living in the day of God's salvation today. We are in that day. And so the same question applies to us. Well, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond uh, to this day where God is restoring and renewing all uh, of creation? And I want you to just notice that word co-worker. That is a profound statement on our identity in Jesus and our purpose. Paul wants us to understand that we are his fellow workers with God that we are partnering with God in this work. And the day of salvation not only meant, um, but it also was an invitation that we would now come and participate with God in this work. And N.T. Wright speaks powerfully uh, of our role as co-workers. And he says, The resurrection completes the inauguration of God's kingdom. It is that decisive event demonstrating that God's kingdom really has been launched on earth as it is in heaven. God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and we are now invited to participate in it as image-bearing, God-loving, Christ-shaped, spirit-filled Christians who announce redemption to a fallen world, healing to a broken world and love to a world that knows only exploitation, fear, and suspicion. So God's new world, this world that we are unveiling, God's new world is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of heaven. And it was unveiled to us in Jesus Christ. And so the invitation is that we would, as co-workers with Jesus, in the power of his Holy Spirit, unveil this new world of God to others. Because that's what that's what Jesus did, isn't it? That's what we saw Jesus doing when he was here on earth. In John 5 verse 19, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. 
because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus was aware of how the Father was working in this world and he participated with him. And in the same way, we are called to look for how the Holy Spirit is working in this world and participate with him and follow his leading. And in John 4 verse uh, 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And so Jesus understood that his greatest purpose, his greatest satisfaction was to do the will of the Father. And so for us, it's, it's a reminder again that we will only be satisfied, we will only find contentment when we live out our identity as co-workers that we are doing the will of the Father, that we are participating with him in what he is doing here in this world. And, you know, the beauty is that that Jesus intends to reclaim nothing less than the whole world as his kingdom. He intends to reclaim nothing less than the whole world. And we are actually invited to participate in that that has come about in this day of salvation. And can you sense the urgency in Paul's language. He's saying now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. It is now. Um, as you would all be aware, I'm 26 weeks pregnant and um, there's a strong sense of urgency um, as we prepare for the arrival um, of our little girl in July. And so there's all these things that you're meant to prepare for um, You know, spiritually, Andrew and I have been asking that question, well, what does it look like to be parents and how can we uh, raise a family with Jesus and what does that look like and all sorts of things. Um, There's things practically, lots of things that you have to buy, lots of things that you should probably know. And sometimes I feel like I have no idea uh, what I'm doing, but that's okay because I'm surrounded by lots of people who do. but Andrew likes to prepare himself uh, by singing to the baby, uh, which is lovely. But that is how he creates uh, this bond with her. And so one night he was singing Good, Good Father, which was lovely. Uh, and we all know that we sing that song about God, don't we? But Andrew was actually singing it about himself. So... Um, I'm a good, good father. It's who I am. It's who I am. I'm perfect in all of my ways. <laughs> so I'm there just I'm like, I just don't know if that's quite right. But anyways, um, so look, that's how he likes to prepare and create that bond, which is lovely. Um, but, you know, there is obviously no better time than now for us to respond to the sense of uh, urgency of us preparing our hearts and, and our lives for the arrival um, of, of our girl coming in in July. And in the same, I was thinking about it and I just thought to myself, oh, the same focus and urgency and attention that I give to that, I want to give to living out my call um, as being a co-worker with God. I want to give the same time and the same attention and urgency into living out that call uh, with God because there's no greater time. There's absolutely no greater time than now because now is is the day of, of salvation. And so I just want to give us three images to help us understand a little bit more about what it uh, looks like to be a co-worker with God and understand this identity that we've actually been brought into. And the first one is this idea that as God's co-workers, which is collectively 
it's the church. Uh, the church is made up of all, all of us as co-workers. But as God's co-workers, we are the first fruits of the kingdom. We are the first fruits of the kingdom. And what I mean by that is we are the place where God's reign has become visible in the present. It is the place where uh, God's spirit is already visibly at work. And in James chapter 1 verse 18, it said, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might become a kind of first fruits of all he created. So as God's co-work is empowered by the Spirit, we're to be this picture where God's reign is actually visible in this world. And so we're this uh, first fruit of this new day that has been brought in by the resurrection of God that, that Pete shared with us at Easter. And I just want to remind us again uh, this evening that, that the Spirit that we have received, the one that is at work within us, that Spirit is one of power. It's one of power. Um, in Romans 8 verse 11, it says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives within us. That is the same spirit working within us. In 2 Timothy, it says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power and self-discipline. And I just think over and over again that people are desperate in this world to see a picture of a power working greater than themselves. And there is a tendency today and a danger that the church would rely just a bit too heavily on unveiling this new world of God purely with words and talk and actually not engage in this this ministry of power. And we know that a ministry of power is engaging in the ministry uh, of the Holy Spirit. And there is a place for words. There is a place for talk. There is proclamation of the gospel. But with that, there also needs to be demonstration of the power of the gospel. Um, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it is a matter of power. And so we as the church, we might say that we believe in the healing power of Jesus, but we never actually take steps to go and pray for someone for healing. We might say that we uh, believe in the radical generosity of the early church, but we never actually give with any personal cost. We might say even that we have a doctrinal theological view of the Holy Spirit, yet we're unfamiliar with his leadings and his promptings uh, in our life. And so as the first fruits of the kingdom, that is our identity, how are we seeing this ministry of power working in and through us? Uh, recently, Sam, Courtney, Andrew and I have just been doing a workshop uh, down in Haberfield and it's on prophetic uh, mentoring with a, a pastor down there. And one week we got to the workshop and this guy asked us, oh, how was your week? How's your week going? And I just gave him like the classic answer. Yeah, it's good. Like work's a bit busy, a bit tired, you know, the pretty standard answer. And then I said to him, well, how's your week been going? And he's like, yeah, great. He's like, I led a, I led a Muslim to faith through, um, interpreting his dream. <laughs> and it like totally took us all, uh, by surprise and kind of took us, um, like, we're just like, oh, okay. And we're like, how, how did that happen? What did that look like? Can you share with us that kind of experience? And I just remember walking away being like, you know, I want my response to be how my week has been to be focused around how I'm engaging with God in this world. 
that's what I want it to be focused around because if that is my identity, then that should be my focus. That should be my focus. Um, and, you know, I, I'm inspired by his story. I don't take that on and say, oh, I'm not converting enough people and, you know, feeling guilty and all of that. But I'm inspired by that. And I want to, I want that to be the norm. I want it to be the norm. And not to have big grand things, but to be faithful in the little things and to have that as my focus um, and, and having all of my attention. And I'm constantly asking the question, well, does my life just make a little bit too much sense to the people around me? Or are they asking these questions? Or how did that happen? Or why would you make a choice like that? Or, you know, how is that even possible? Because uh, we have received this, this spirit of power. And I do believe that in our community, God is just wanting to lead us more and more into experiencing what that can look like in all our different uh, spheres and walks of life. The second uh, second image is that as God's co-workers, we are to be an instrument of the kingdom. And so part of God's being God's co-workers, we're actually challenging opposition um, against God's gracious rule. So the opposition that we come against in this world, God uses us as an instrument to challenge that. And we have this young girl uh, at our youth group who gave her life to Jesus uh, at camp at the beginning of this this year. And I just, I just love how um, kids are always a picture of these beautiful, willing instruments who just want to be used by God. And, and the, the childlike faith that they have as they step into that is, is wonderful. And I feel like we're always constantly, uh, as a leadership team at Chicago, learning from that in so many different ways. But one night I was in worship and I was standing at the back of the room and I was watching this little girl and I could just see, I think she was in year seven, year six or seven at the time. And I was just watching her walking around the room and she'd just kind of go to someone and pray for them and then go to someone else and pray for them and then just kind of walk around and I could just see God using her as this little instrument praying for people. And in that moment, um, she was, you know, she was challenging opposition that a lot of those kids were experiencing in their life. She was praying against that. And then all of a sudden she came up to me and she said, oh, Emma, I'd, I'd love to pray for you. Can I pray for you? And I said, sure. And she said, how how can I pray for you? And I said, well, why don't you just ask God to lead you, and I'm sure he'll show you what to pray for. And she said, okay. So she started praying for me, and as she was praying, uh, she started praying for the baby. And then she just prayed, oh, I pray that um, Emma would be a happy mother. And I pray that God would just give her everything that she needs in that season. And although it seems like a really simple prayer, uh, when she prayed that, I just had a wave of the Holy Spirit, that word happy, just a wave of his spirit come over me because she actually challenged a lot of fear and worry that I had been experiencing in my life. Um, there's a little bit of a tendency, uh, I'm sure, as all the mothers here would appreciate, that when you are pregnant or uh, and you tell people that, they often just like to tell you how much sleep you're not going to have and all of the kind of negative things. And sometimes that can just create a lot of fear and worry. And although those things are true, I'm sure, um, you kind of lose sight. It's easy to lose sight of the actual joy and gift and, and blessing that it is uh, in your life. 
And so in that way, she just, um, I just felt through that simple word, happy, God just kind of washed a lot of fear and worry. And he actually spoke that word to me through a number of different people who were willing to be God's instruments uh, throughout the year. And it's something that he's just been um, affirming to me. And this girl is always just such a beautiful picture of an instrument. You know, she's the last one at youth who's always helping us clean up. And um, she's just always looking for ways that she can help and serve And so the question I have for us, well, where are we actually seeing um, opposition to God's uh, rule in our lives? Or are we too busy to actually notice it? But but what does that look like? What does that opposition look like in your workplaces, in your families, uh, wherever it is that that he um, has placed you? And when I was um, preparing this talk, one of the senses I had for our um, church as a whole was that I f- have a sense that God is actually wanting to call some of us into a season of intercession, praying against the opposition that we are experiencing in this world. And so I don't know what that looks for you. Um, that might be something you're experiencing personally, or maybe it's something more globally that God's calling you to to um, pray into. But I think he's wanting us to um to know that there is power in our prayers and that he's wanting us to challenge opposition uh, in in that way. Um, so the last the last image I have for us is that the church is to be a sign of the kingdom of God. So when we embody God's rule in our lives as co-workers, we actually point towards the future kingdom coming in all its fullness. That's what we are pointing towards. That's how we are acting uh, as a sign. As many of you will know, when I worked, I worked in human resources before studying in pastoral ministry. And in the, um, in that workplace, I uh, worked in two different places, but in both, uh, HR roles that I had, I found that the way that leadership presented itself in my particular case was really contrary to the kingdom of God. And, uh, I had, uh, two bosses that essentially would uh, you would describe them as, as narcissists and they would just control and manipulate the teams in which they were in. Um, and so the way in which they uh, exercised their leadership was, um, it was quite awful to be honest and it was very ironic for HR. It drove me nuts. Um, but, you know, the Bible tells us that he's given us the keys to the kingdom of God. And so for me in that setting, it was, well, what does it look like? What of heaven do I need to unlock in that particular workplace? And for me, it was really hard seeing members in my team be manipulated and lose confidence uh, when when we had bosses who led in this way. And so I remember God, uh, one of the things that he wanted me to do in those seasons was to just call out the giftings and the strengths in people in my team and to comfort them who were losing uh, confidence, to actually engage in healthy conflict resolution uh, in those teams because when you have an environment of fear like that and that kind of toxic behavior um, often you know that creates kind of gossip and slander and God um, was kind of challenging me to actually approach some of those issues in a healthy and a, a biblical way sometimes I did that really well sometimes I didn't um, and you know, just to, to be patient um, and to sometimes it even looked like calling out some of that uh, behavior in 
in in my managers and sometimes that ended okay with a good understanding and other times it didn't and it came with a some big costs but um, I just had a sense as I was preparing that God really really wants to use us in our workplaces to be a sign and just to ask the question well what does it what part of Christ do I need to reveal in wherever he's placed me at the moment whether it's your workplace or your family or your schools or your universities it might be the peace of Christ that he's wanting you to be this peaceful presence uh, in your in your um, spheres it might be the servanthood this servanthood uh, leadership nature he might want you to exercise that it might be the compassion of Christ but what is it that he's actually wanting you to reveal of Christ in that in that um, season in order to point to the coming of the kingdom in all of its fullness and for those in in leadership and management roles um, how can you lead in a way in which um, unveils this new world in Christ what does that look like for you and and the teams in which you're leading I have a friend who always says you leak uh, what you carry and uh, I love that phrase because if God is ruling your life and you are filled with your spirit, uh, with his spirit, uh, you will leak that into your workplaces. You will leak that into your families. And so it's always good for us to ask, well, what are we leaking into the places where God has placed us? And if we are carrying unforgiveness and bitterness or whatever it is, unfortunately, we will leak that into our relationships. We will leak that um, into uh, our environments. And so what does it look like to be constantly giving that over and letting the love of God change that in our lives in order that we might fully uh, leak more of him uh, wherever he has placed us? And so as co-workers, as this sign pointing towards the kingdom, it's helpful for us to ask afresh, well, what kingdom am I pointing towards? Is it this earthly kingdom that will fade or is it the kingdom of heaven? Which kingdom am I pointing towards? Uh, last Sunday, uh, Andrew and Rach and Mitch and I were up at Norara Valley Baptist Church and some friends uh, from our church invited us for lunch afterwards. And the family, uh, this family has two little girls. Their eldest is Lucinda, the youngest is Daisy. And Lucinda is just full of energy and fun. And the parents, she's just gorgeous. And the parents said to us, uh, just letting you know, Lucinda will pick uh, someone to be her favourite. She will deem them as her favourite and then that person will be basically locked into playing with her for the rest of the afternoon. Um, so basically this girl, this girl picked Ray Ray as her favourite, much to Andrew's disappointment, who had been trying so hard to be her favourite all morning. He was actually, he was doing really well. I thought he had it. And then Ray Ray just subtly kind of swooped in and she was like, that's her, that's my favourite. And, um, so Rach was, was playing with Lucinda and uh, one of the things that, that uh, Lucinda wanted to do is um, set up this, it was really cool, it was like this giant inflatable rainbow and uh, from it water kind of sprinkled down, it was a bit like a sprinkler but coming downwards um, and she would just kind of run through the water and then get so excited and run back through and uh, I just, um, I was asking God this week 
and I've been one of the things I've been trying to uh, learn and grow in a little bit lately is trying to listen to God uh, in all different things throughout my whole week, and that He's constantly speaking. And how can I be listening in in every moment? And so when I when I was asking God that, well, what is it that you're wanting to say to us uh, in this theme of being a coworker? He gave me a picture of a rainbow and reminded me of that picture of Lucinda running underneath the water under the rainbow coming back and forth. And the sense I had is that if you think about that rainbow, the water flowing from that rainbow was like his Holy Spirit. And the rainbow represents the promises of God that kind of shelter and, and cover us. And as we actually start to live in this identity of being a co-worker and come into contact with his Holy Spirit, um, we will just keep running back for more. And that as we do that, we are covered and we are protected by the promises of God. But I just had a sense that when, when Lucinda was running through, Coming through that water under this rainbow, she just had such a joy that she just wanted to keep going. And I think that God is releasing that, wanting to release that joy in our community. That as we partner with him in co-workers where we see his spirit working, um, resting on his promises, he'd be releasing that same joy. And I think we're starting to hear stories and testimonies of that, and that's awesome. But I just want to encourage us tonight because I think there's more joy that God's wanting to release in us and and to bring comfort that as we engage in this work with God, we are completely covered by the promises of God, uh, that he is with us, that he is for us, that we are actually, when you do that, you are sowing into an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. It cannot be taken away from you. And so there's just so much truth and promise that covers us uh, as we do that and as we engage with God in that world. And this passage, in a sense, it is super convicting uh, because it's saying if we are not engaging as co-workers with God, essentially we have received his grace in vain. But I want that message to let us pre- to propel us into more with God because I think there's just such a beautiful uh, opportunity to partner with God in this day of salvation and engage in this this incredible identity uh, that we have as as his co-workers. So I might pray for us. So why don't we stand and um, if the band wants to come up and just be still before him. I just want to um, just pray a bit of a commissioning over us as we go out into this this week and, um, yeah, just take up this call of being his co-worker. And so, Father, we just want to say to you... Um, Thank you for for choosing us to engage with with you in this way. Lord, I thank you that it just speaks so much of your great love that you have for us, that you have brought us into your family in such a a beautiful and intimate way that you would let us um, partner with you to, to make your name known. And so, Father, I just pray that we would, as a community, have a clarity and and a sight to be able to see where your Holy Spirit is working in in each of our lives, in each of our spheres, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would give us 
boldness and power by your Holy Spirit to respond and say yes. Uh, when we sense that leading Lord Jesus. I pray that in that we would have peace and comfort knowing that your promises surround and protect us as we do that work. And Lord, I just want to pray that picture of joy over us, that as we engage in that, we just want to keep going back for more. That we would just laugh and um, just smile at the ways that you're working. And Lord, that we would just be willing to, to go to new heights and new, new, um, just new territory with you, Lord, and that we would just trust you in that. So I thank you that, um, because of Jesus, we are worthy to be able to do that. And so, Lord, we just say as a community again, yes, Lord, yes to your work, yes to where you're leading us. Lord, help us in that. And thank you that you are there with us, leading in each, leading us in each moment of that, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen.